Our text this afternoon is Galatians 6, verses 1 through 5. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else, for each one should carry his own load. After the sermon, let's sing hymn 49, stanzas 1 through 4. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, Anyone who is old enough to remember the 1988 presidential election in the United States will, will remember that it was a, a nasty campaign. In this campaign, the two presidential candidates were closely scrutinized by voters and the media, of course, and commentators as to their morality, especially whether or not these men were womanizers. Now, the one was fairly well known for that. And so the, the other presidential candidate really went after him for that. In the public, he said, what an awful man this is. How can he be president? He's clearly not good with women. And he said to the press, I am so different. I mean, you, you follow me. You'll, you'll discover nothing dirty on me. Uh, so the press took him up on that. And a few weeks later, in the paper, TV, there were photographs of this man on a boat with a woman that was not his wife. The name of the boat was Monkey Business, which is a bit of a, a joke right there. What was the man thinking? Daring the press, you know, you know, just check me out. I am so good and righteous, not like that, that fellow over there. But really, he was no better. I mean, how dumb can you get? Well, it's not just in politics that this was going on in the States, also in the religious world. TV evangelists were quite popular in the 1980s, and there was one well-known TV evangelist who was caught in sexual immorality. The other TV evangelist, he went for the jugular. He was there on TV talking to his widespread congregation, saying, how can this guy do that? engage in sexual immorality. As a young minister, I, I was grateful that in our world, you know, ministers talked that way and, you know, really came down hard on, on sexual immorality. Except not much later, this TV evangelist was caught doing the same thing. You could say here's a bit of a pride that comes before the fall. But you start to notice a pattern. When somebody becomes too strong in his condemnation of, of another person, you start to wonder, are you hiding something? You got a problem? You know, here in Galatians 6, the Apostle Paul is telling us that if somebody is caught up in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. And then he says, but watch out, lest you yourself are overtaken. 
It is a dangerous thing, not only when somebody falls into sin, but how the other person reacts to him. And it's entirely possible that when you react badly to a sinner, your sin is just as bad, if not worse. We are continuing here this afternoon from where we left off this morning, is the theme about the fruit of the Spirit. And what the Apostle Paul is trying to make really clear is that, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, you know, love, peace, joy, and so on, it's not just a theory. It's not just nice words. It has to be real in your life, and it has to be worked out in a, in a practical way. And that's what we'll see this afternoon and when we summarize our text in this way. Carry each other's burdens when someone is caught in sin. We'll see three things. You who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. And finally, each one should test his own actions. Now, if you look at the structure of our theme and, and hedge, you, you realize that we are changing the order of the text a little bit. We start with the first half of, of verse 1. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But then we jump to verse 2, skipping the second half of verse 1. Carry each other's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. I'm not saying that the order of our text by the Apostle Paul is wrong. It's beautiful and powerful. But I'm trying to approach this in a thematic way to make clear what Paul is saying and trying to be, prevent being repetitive. Nobody likes repetition. So here in our first point, Paul is writing to the Galatians about someone who is caught up in sin. He says, if someone is caught in a sin, and he's not thinking of a, an actual situation, he's talking about a hypothetical situation. You know, what if, suppose somebody is caught in a sin? Now, right away, we have to add something. This word caught in Greek has a, a different uh, meaning than the English, because when we think of caught in sin, we think of that presidential candidate who was on his boat monkey business, and he got caught. He didn't think he'd get caught, but he did. He really got caught. And he lost his, his chances of becoming president of the United States. But that's not what Paul is saying here. He's not saying you got caught too bad. Actually, the word means that you're overtaken. You're just merrily walking, making your, life, your way through life, and suddenly sin overtakes you, and it catches you. You know, the point is that in, in life, that there are sometimes things we do that are out of character. Well, sure, some people are, are, are caught up in a, in a sin that, that's, you know, overtaken their life. Or Paul's not even talking so much about that. But as somebody who, who's just living his life, and he can't believe it's, it's shoplifting. Or, or, or he went to a prostitute. Or took drugs. Or, or was drinking and driving and got into an accident. Not something that normally that person would do, but, but in, in the daily walk of life, there are things that surprise us, and we ourselves yield to temptation. It's our fault, but it's not something maybe that normally we would have done. And so Paul right away is saying, you know, one of the attitudes you should have when dealing with, some, with someone who falls into sin is the attitude, 
but for the grace of God, there go I. Because you know what? I could have done it too, or something else like it. I'm not better than you. Now, Paul's focusing not so much on the sinner and what he or she has done, but on our reaction to that person. He says, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. That word spiritual reminds us of the previous chapter when Paul speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. What is a spiritual man? What is a spiritual woman or or, or, or teenager or a boy or a girl? Well, it's somebody who loves, who's filled with the joy of salvation, who is at peace, who is kind and and gentle and and humble and self-controlled with people in his or her life. Paul says, if you are a spiritual person, now, now is the critical time to put it into action, how you deal with a certain person. Now, brothers and sisters, this is not hypothetical because in the church of Jesus Christ, all manner of sin happens. There are those who have dealt in drugs, those who have been arrested because they went to a prostitute in in Edmonton, shoplifted, beat up their wife or their children. I've seen it all as a minister of God's word. Don't don't think that in the church of Jesus Christ, those things don't happen because they do. What would you do if your best friend, and I'm using a little bit of a blunt image here, but what would you do if your friend was arrested for going to a prostitute? What would you do? Paul says three things. First, restore him gently. Then carry each other's burdens. And finally, in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. That word restore is the kind of word used at that time for a fisherman restoring a broken net or a doctor restoring a broken bone. This person who has fallen into sin is broken. He is smashed. He has fallen into a hole so deep, he doesn't know how he can get out of it. Well, you who are spiritual, you come to him gently. You come to him in love. You know, you you may be repulsed by what he did, but you have love for this broken, shattered person, and you come to him gently, and you come to, to carry his burden, and in this way, fulfill the law of Christ, which we saw this morning is the law of love. And our Lord Jesus Christ didn't just say, love your neighbor. He showed it. I mean, look at the kind of people that came to him. Prostitutes came to him. Somebody who had, had stolen came to him. A woman caught in adultery. Tax collectors, they came to, to him, and, and Jesus loved them. He didn't like what they did. But he loved them, and in a real way, he sat with them, and he ate with them. He had fellowship with them. He cared for them so deeply because he wanted to restore them, to show that there is a way that sin can be forgiven and life can be transformed, and you can be a a different person. 
The Apostle Paul himself, if you look at his ministry, I mean, how people treated him. They, 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 they stoned him, they, they smashed him, they rejected him, and yet he loved the people who hurt him so badly, and he gave opportunity to sit down together and work out their differences and overcome sin in their lives. Paul was gentle and forgiving, giving opportunity to bring about a restoration of, of a sinner. Now, brothers and sisters, we need to take this seriously. All of us are in relationships. We are a congregation. And there isn't one person sitting here to whom we can say, you, you don't belong. You're not a part of us. Everybody belongs. Everybody's a part. What do we do? when someone in the congregation has fallen into sin and is broken and is shattered. There is nothing more beautiful for that person. And please understand this, brothers and sisters, that you can come to that person without condemnation, not, not laughing, not, not putting him down, but look him straight in the eyes and say, I know what you've done. I know you're broken. I know you want to be restored. And I am here not to judge you, not to hurt you, but to help you bring this to the Lord in prayer and to be over, able to overcome this sin and to become a new man or new woman once again. Now, it, it may happen that you come to a person and, and you try to do that and that person rejects you out of hand. He's angry. He doesn't want to change. Well, that person has got a, a problem with the Lord. But I have known people who have fallen into sin and they are hurting so deeply. And they said, you know, most people walk by me. Most people ignore me. Most people don't want to get involved. But I would want nothing more than that somebody would talk to me and help me and love me and care for me enough to overcome this sin in my life Brothers and sisters, I, I've known men who are serious alcoholics, and everybody would say, why do you drink? Why do you get drunk? They said, but the people don't understand why I drink, but nobody bothers to ask either. Nobody bothers to sit down and to help me overcome the struggle that I have. Within my own congregation, I have had men who have said, I, I am addicted to pornography, you don't have to go that alone. In my congregation, there are men who are there, ready and willing to help, not to judge, not to put you down, not to recoil in horror, but to say, I will help you to be restored and to overcome sin in your life. You know, if, if we as a congregation would have that spirit and that attitude amongst us, imagine the power of the Spirit for each and every one of us to overcome the temptations and sins in our lives. That brings us to our, our second point. We're not, we're not done yet because there is a right and, and, a, and a wrong way of dealing with somebody who is overcome by sin. Paul says, but watch yourself or you also may be tempted. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. 
And here you can see why I've combined the last part of verse 1 with verse 3. What is this watching of ourselves and this danger of temptation except that we think we are better than that sinner? Time and again, what happens is that when we hear somebody has been arrested or somebody in the congregation has been engaging in sexual immorality, that we take almost a perverse delight in what that person has done. It doesn't take long, and the gossip starts. We're on the phone or send out an email or talk with our friends. Do you know what happened to so-and-so? What he did? And there's a, a, a ghoulish delight in the hurt and the damage of what has happened to that person. But you know why we do that? Do you know why, why people gossip and they delight in, in the fall of, of somebody else? It's because it makes you look better. I'm better than you. I would never do what you did. And maybe you're covering up something yourself. Think of the two candidates in the presidential election, the two well-known TV evangelists. And I'll tell you something, brothers and sisters, in my own experience as a minister, well over 30 years, there have been a number of uh, cases where somebody in the congregation was so angry because of the sin of another person. Let's say an older brother so angry when a, a young couple gets pregnant and he's, he just, he, he blasts them and, and says, I mean, how, that's young people today. They all do that. Terrible. But in all that anger, what you discover is that the man is covering up something himself, his own past abuse of children. We can think of a biblical example here. We can think of David, who had committed adultery and murdered that woman's husband. And yet when Nathan comes to him and tells him a story about how, how somebody stole another man's uh, little, little animal, then David gets so angry at that person. Because anger is a way of, of pushing aside his, his own guilt. You know, it, it's bad enough when someone commits a sin. But when you look at that sinner and delight in his hurt or downfall or think yourself better or you're, or you're maybe trying to hide your own sin, I ask you this, which sin is greater? That person who has fallen or you who look at him in a non-brotherly fashion? Paul says, watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. When someone is overtaken by sin, we should not be filled with pride. We should not delight. We should not tower in rage. But there should be this sympathy and this understanding. But for the grace of God, there go I. I'm a sinner too. I've done things in my life as well. And be humble. Be merciful. Come alongside that person gently and be prepared to restore him, not to destroy him. And that brings us to our, our final point, the last two verses. 
where we read, each one should test his own actions, then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else, for each one should carry his own load. What is Paul basically saying here? He's saying, you know, you should never measure your life by comparing yourself to others. That's easy to do. Uh, you can round up the usual suspects and say, you look what she did and he did, and over there, what they did. I mean, I, I look pretty good compared to those people. I come out smelling like, like a rose. Paul says, this is unbiblical, ungodly attitude. You do not measure yourself by comparing yourself to others. You stand before God. You carry your own load. You carry your own burden. You know, the Spirit was striving to bring a harvest, a fruit in our lives. He looks at us personally. This is never, never, just ignore everybody else. Just ignore them for a moment. You, married men, how do you treat your wife? With respect and dignity and love, do you tell her how much you love her? Do you hold her in high esteem? Women, married women, what is your attitude to your husband? Are you thankful for the man that God has given you? Or are you dreaming and thinking of somebody better, of somebody better than the man that God has given you? People who have a, a job, you who are working, are you honest? Are you kind? Are you decent? You know, our attitude to women, our attitude to, to money, these are things that the Holy Spirit says to us, are you showing the fruit of a life that is to the praise and the glory of God? You don't measure yourself by others. You stand before God and you answer to Him. We can think of our Lord Jesus Christ. He, he told on a, a number of occasions the parable of the talents. You know, one man had one, and one had three, and one had five. And for Jesus Christ, at the end of the day, it wasn't about how much talents you had left over, but what did you do with the talents that God gave you? God has given you a life. God has given you work. He's given you relationships. Are you striving in what you do to use what God has given you to show love to others, to be kind, to be gentle, to be self-controlled? That's the only way to stand before God, and as Paul says, to, to really have pride. And he doesn't mean pride in a, in a bad sense there, but to stand before God and say, Lord, I thank you that you love me, that you gave me the blood of your Son to wash away my sins, that you have given, you, given me your Holy Spirit to be able to bear this fruit. I'm so thankful, Lord, that my life may be used to love you, and, and to love my neighbor, and to, to be thankful with what results. Now, Paul, when he talks about each one should carry his own load, we may also think of something that our Lord Jesus Christ said in, at the end of Matthew 11. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Reminded again of what we said earlier in our sermon, we can all be caught or overtaken by sin. 
I do not stand here as, as a minister in any way to try to suggest to you that I am better than anyone else. I am a sinner. There's a lot of things in my life that I'm ashamed of, things that I would like to, to improve. When Paul Stock talks about being loving and joyful and gentle and self-controlled, I said, boy, oh boy, I've got a long ways to go. Can I do it in my own strength? No. But I'll tell you what, I can do it. I can because Jesus Christ makes my load light. I belong to him. He's my Lord and Savior. He's given me his spirit so that I have everything that I need to, to be able to struggle with and overcome sin and temptation in my life and live to his praise and to his glory. And I embrace that joyfully and wholeheartedly. Brothers and sisters, we, we, we all need to do that. If we think of our sermon this morning and again this afternoon, you know, we could say, yep, I've got struggles in my life and I will pray about that and everything will be better. I'll tell you something, brothers and sisters, it won't be. You can pray all you want. It's not going to help you unless you also have the longing and the passion to work with what God has given you. You pray tonight because of your struggles, maybe with alcohol or with pornography. You know what? You're going to be praying about tomorrow night too and nothing will change unless you wholeheartedly long to bear this fruit of the Spirit. And tomorrow morning when you get up, you're filled with that knowledge that God is with you, you struggle you fight every inch of the way and discover that the load does become lighter in Jesus Christ and we can overcome sin in our lives. We come back to the uh, central message of, of our text, brothers and sisters, that we all have our burdens and our struggles. And when in the congregation someone is overtaken by a particular sin, it's important that we are all involved with the right attitude not gossiping, not taking joy in another person's sin and downfall, but hurting ourselves. And if I see anybody in the congregation, I'm speaking for you here, to see anybody in the congregation who is struggling, who has fallen, come alongside that person gently, share their burden, and in a loving way, help that person to confess their sin and to receive the blessing of the Holy Spirit to be able to fight against it. If as a congregation we are that way, this is going to be an amazingly beautiful, powerful, blessed place to be. Nobody will stand alone. Nobody will flounder in their sins. We love each other too much and will help each other. We can think here of the ending of the epistle of James. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover a multitude of sins. And that, my brothers and sisters, is a tremendous blessing in a congregation. I hope at the end of being together today, having heard the word of God, 
having worshiped the Lord together, that there is a powerful attitude within each one of us. If I'm overtaken by sin, I hope you are there for me. And if you are overtaken by sin, I'll be there for you as well. I won't ignore you. I won't laugh about you. I won't gossip, but I'll, I'll come with you. And I'll cry with you. And we'll pray together. And we'll overcome sin so that each of us may march on forward. You know, as a congregation, strong, able to live to the praise and the glory of God. And isn't that what we are about as a congregation? To be a communion of saints, marching forward to the praise and the glory of our God. Amen.